Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson, and a big shout out to our regular listeners from Auckland, New Zealand, and of course, friend of the pod, Owen. On this episode, we will be discussing which teams are under the most pressure this final series, giving out the Above the Horizontal awards for round 20, giving some predictions for the first week of the finals in the men's games, and of course the NRLW, which is starting up this week, and deciding which players will be the most influential this final series. I'm not joined by Kieran Gibson this evening due to his uni workload, but I am joined by Miles Stedman. How are you going this evening, Miles? I'm good, Bo. How are you? I am very, very tired, but I will get to that uh, in a moment uh, when I talk about unsung heroes a bit later on, uh, a little, Ooh, bit okay. a, a little bit of a clue for people. Uh, but what we'd like to do first, of course, Miles, is get into our bold predictions from round 20. Uh, I'll start off with mine. I said that despite mass changes due to resting players, the Storm and Panthers will win in round 20. And the Panthers, of course, did quite easily. Uh, that wasn't the boldest of predictions, but I thought uh, the Storm had a pretty good chance against the Dragons, but the Dragons iced them in the end, particularly with a fairly impressive effort from Jaden Sullivan at 5'8", I thought, particularly in attack and defense. So uh, that's, a, that's a miss for me. Miles, you said that Sonny Bill Williams would get the better of Cameron Murray in tackle breaks, offloads, and try assists, um, but the Roosters really let you down, mate. Yeah, well, Sonny Bill let me down as well. Uh, Cameron Murray, by the way, only recorded one tackle break and one offload from those statistics, but Sonny Bill recorded, a, I guess, a triple a triple donut in those three categories, no, none of any of them. So, look, I, I clearly picked the wrong night to, to back against the Rabbitohs, and and, and just by the way, that was that was in 50 minutes on the field for Sonny Bill. Uh, none of those stats uh, being recorded by him. So, uh, you know, it's uh, maybe showing his age a little bit, especially with the, the no offloads. That really surprised me. Mmm, triple donut. Um, <laughs> okay, sorry, I was very distracted from the moment you said triple donuts. <laughs> but you're right, uh, it was, uh, it, it's it's a, a worrying sign for the Roosters, but I think we'll probably touch on that a little bit later on. Kieran, uh, something that is not concerning at all is, is Kieran's remarkable ability uh, to get these bold predictions correct. He had Scott drink water with at least one try assist. He officially finished with three and one try each, at least to Kyle Felt and Hamaso Tabuai Fido. Uh, Felt scoring three and Tabuai Fido scoring the final try, I believe, to tick off that nice little prediction for Kieran. So well done to Kieran. He wins once again. Clap to Kieran, wherever he's listening from. Miles, let's get into the big question, which is which team has the most on the line this final series. And uh, I guess there could be a, a few different ways to interpret this question. Um, you were the one that posed it to us. Uh, so if you could, could you explain what you kind of mean by which team has the most on the line and then also give which team you think does have the most on the line? Well, I do like these questions where you can sort of take it in whichever direction you choose. Um, so I, I didn't have anything totally concrete in in mind, but maybe through my choice of the storm, you'll 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 begin to realise why I think it's them. Uh, obviously, they've won a multitude of premierships in the past twenty years, but I think uh, when you're talking about this final series as uh, I guess an, an individual existence, uh, for me, it's clearly the storm. The, obviously, their best player is is I think thirty eight, 
you know, 37, 38. And anyway, each season, maybe his last, of course, to win a premiership, but especially with the Storm. And I think when you're talking about a player like Cameron Smith, you, you just can't afford to waste those chances. We, we saw the Cowboys sort of make the best of theirs towards the end of Jonathan Thurston's career. And, and, and to boot, there's every chance that the result of this season will also see Smith decide whether or not he goes on or, or whether that's with the Storm or, or who knows. But... Um, Look, if they win the premiership this season, which they are absolutely a chance of doing, he, he may choose to retire on top. And I think, look, if you're a Storm fan, I'd, I'd say that's exactly what you want, to go out this year with the premiership and for Cameron Smith to kind of uh, usher his way out so that you can ha- have a chance of hanging on to both uh, Brandon Smith and Harry Grant. Yeah, good call. Um, I, I do think there's also a lot of legacy on the line here for the Storm. So say, for example, Cameron Smith will not play at the level that he has for the last two decades forever. So if he, uh, if they get out in straight sets uh, by the semifinals this year and then they don't do as well as they have next year and maybe even lose Brandon Smith, Harry Grant or Cameron Smith, of course, depending on his fitness then there's a legacy at question here, isn't there? Like, Cooper Cronk left this squad. Uh, so did Billy Slater when he retired. Cronk went on to win premierships. Smith has not. Uh, not yet, anyway. So, uh, and same goes for Bellamy, I suppose. Cooper Cronk becomes a very important cog in that team. Uh, and in that legacy. And I don't think the legacy necessarily re- reflects that. So, there is a lot of stake for the Storm, definitely. I've gone for the Panthers uh, with the most on the line this final series. And the way that I interpreted the question was, um, uh, which team has the most to lose, I suppose? And while the Panthers are a very young squad and and possibly at the start of a very lucrative premiership window that could go for a number of years if they play their cards right, uh, I think there's a lot to lose because the last time we saw a team this dominant all year was 2017 when the storm just swept through everybody. They lost four games all year in a, in a full competition, uh, swept through the final series and completely dominated the eighth place Cowboys in the grand final. And that was a, that was a fitting cap to a, to a series uh, to a season of full dominance. The Panthers have been that dominant. They have, they, they are comfortably minor premiers, uh, regardless of results on the weekend. Uh, in a shortened format, they only lost one game, and that was only by six points, where 16 points were scored against them in about 10 minutes' time. Apart from that, they won every game, uh, and they only had one other draw where they led 14-0 at one point against the Knights. So this is the team that has completely dominated all comers at some point this year. The pressure is on them to succeed, and they are a young squad. So if they... The other stat that, that is interesting is that this is the third minor premiership for the Panthers. The other two were 1991 and 2003. We've spoken about this in previous episodes. They were both years that they won the premiership. The only two times they've won the premiership. So they've won a minor premiership. There's a lot of people that are very, very excited about the Panthers out West. And I could see this being... You know, I, I personally haven't picked them to to win the premiership, although after the Roosters got trounced by 52 points, I may I may have to change my vote um, because that was embarrassing, but I do expect them to bounce back, uh, possibly this week against the Panthers. 
Um, I think there's I think there's a lot on the line here uh, in, in terms of reputation and and realistically uh, a minor premiership, while probably even more impressive than winning a premiership, is certainly very very hollow if you're that dominant and then you know you're out by the semi-finals or preliminary finals. So uh, I'm going to go with the Panthers on that one. Uh, what, what's your what's your read on the Panthers? Do you think there's a lot on the line there too? Well, there is, and I, I want to sort of more broadly speak to something you touched on a little bit earlier, which was their youth. And, and yes, they've got that on their side, but in some ways that also works against them. I've, I've just been doing some quick research in the background there, and I want to read a, a few names that are off contract next year for the Panthers, so at the end of 2021. Yeah. Matt Burton, Stephen Crichton, Jerome Luai, Josh Mansour, Brent Naden, and Isaiah Yo, and there's a few other good role players in there as well. So that's a lot of that strong Panthers team that is coming off contract the year after next. So yes, they need to. Uh, yes, they do have a bit of runway to work with in terms of uh, some of their very best players being locked down. But some of those really important role players are also coming off contract and, and will want to be paid, especially guys like uh, Luai, sorry, and, and Isaiah Yo. So. They, they do have runway, but they'll eventually have to start making some of these contract decisions about who to keep and who not to keep. And that can, um, as we see so often, that's usually what brings a team unstuck or, or a team with a, a core as young and impressive like this. That's a very interesting point. Thank you for doing that research because the other the other thing is like once, say the Panthers do go on to win the comp this year, they fulfill their potential and, and what seems to be their destiny after the season they've had. A lot of those players become rep players at the end of the year. Uh, in State of Origin, you'd have to assume. Uh, a lot of the time, uh, rep teams are well represented by the premiers uh, at the end of year rep teams. And those players will become a lot more expensive come uh, negotiation time. If guys like, say, Stephen Crichton at the age of 19 is rookie of the year, a Blues squad member, and a premiership winner... I don't know. Like I, he could be commanding 750, 800k on the open market, which sounds crazy to me for a center that's that young. But uh, you know, there's a club out there that would pay that for someone of his quality, and keeping that team together would be very tricky. So either way, there's a lot on the line for the Panthers, <laughs> whether they win it or lose it. I suppose. Uh, thank you for your thoughts, Miles. Let's jump into the above the horizontal awards for round 20, which has just gone the final round of the regular season. Uh, we both had the same match for best match, which was the Tigers and Eels. I guess some of that's because a lot of the matches were fairly poor standard with uh, with a lot of fill-in players. And with respect to those players, a lot of them are reserve graders at this stage of their careers. So uh, the, the quality of the football wasn't there. You didn't have the star power of a Smith and a Munster um, playing for the Storm or, or, or a Croker and a Whiten and a George Williams playing for the Raiders. But uh, the Tigers and Eels were, was, were fairly full strength. Uh, and what I liked watching was the Tigers, they set themselves up nicely to win against the more fancied Eels, only to torch themselves late in a stunning piece of on-brand behavior for a club seemingly allergic to finals football. It was delicious. Uh, what, <laughs> what, was, what was your take on that match? Yeah, look, uh, much the same, I must add. I, I was actually at the game as well. It was a really exciting one. Uh, I'm sure Eels fans' hearts would have been sinking when the Tigers took the lead late in that game with uh, 
the 10 minute try scoring blitz but the of course wet let west let that go just as easily in the in the last 10 minutes so as you say very on brand sort of failure from the tigers again but uh nonetheless an exciting game to be at and um i might add very of course very disappointing for uh I think everyone involved to see Benji Marshall limping off about maybe 20 minutes into the game. Yeah, it, it certainly was. And, and if he was fit and firing, the Tigers may well have polished that one off. And of course, that match was one of the very few that had real consequences uh, for the placement of teams this final series. If the Eels went on to lose, they would have come fifth, I believe. So a uh, very different story for them. Miles, uh, who is the MVP this week? Well, look, there were a, a lot of standout players this week. I, I don't think that needs saying twice. But look, it, I, it pains me almost, but I, I've got to give it to Alex Johnston. I think as good as all the Rabbitohs were on Friday, especially, obviously, Cody Walker, who everyone has been talking about all week. I, I just can't take any sort of MVP award out, out of a guy's hands who, who scores five tries. It's also the second time in his career that he's achieved that sort of feat, and I was thinking, and I, I haven't actually done any research on it yet, I wonder how many other players have done that more than once in their career. It can't be a, a very long list if if there are any others. Yeah, Andrew Ferguson tweeted about it. Uh, I can't remember the exact people that he mentioned, but I think there was about five other names, or maybe it was five total, including Alex Johnson, that have scored five tries twice in a game in their career. Andrew Evingshausen, I think, was the most recent. Um, Dave Brown, of course, from the Roosters way back in the day. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a very exclusive list, so Johnston joins that and is well-deserving of the MVP award. I'll, I'll take us through to the Unsung Hero Award, and I've actually got two. I've got to indulge you with two, I think, uh, Miles. And, and, and two of them are probably a little bit close to my heart, but I'll, I'll go with the first one, which is Gavin Cooper, who had a massive career uh, which fizzled out a little bit the last couple of poor seasons from the Cowboys and he wasn't at his best as well as he was aging but uh, he did enjoy a solid final outing uh, even kicking a handy goal at the end the dude played for his state won a premiership led the club to an unlikely grand final berth without Thurston and Matt Scott so he is a champion player and he has retired so uh, well done to Gavin Cooper on his career and I also want to give a shout out to Scott Prince um for reasons that I will go briefly into, um, I also, uh, I work in disabilities, as you know, Miles, and uh, at my center, which is called Keystone, we have started a footy show on YouTube called the Keystone Footy Show, and it's it's basically run by me and a bunch of adult uh, dudes who have disabilities, and, and they love their footy, and we got enough traction that... Uh, that we got like our own PR team involved and Scott Prince was organized uh, to meet with us at the Broncos Leeds club today. We had, uh, we had him on for, as a special guest on our show. Uh, it hasn't aired yet uh, and probably won't by the time this podcast airs. Uh, but he was an absolute gentleman with our clients, uh, super friendly, uh, very generous with his time, uh, answered questions really well and uh, just had a, we had a really great day with Scotty Prince. So that's why I was tired, as I alluded to earlier, because I was spending so much emotional energy. <laughs> just, because the clients, the clients were just so chill about the whole thing. Like they were just like, we were waiting in this room for like an hour for him to get there because we were early and setting up cameras and stuff. And they're just sitting there chilling, no worries at all. I'm pacing the room. <laughs> like, I was stressing out, but he was, he was super lovely. So a shout out to Unsung Heroes, Gavin Cooper and Scott Prince. 
two Cowboys legends. <laughs> yeah, uh, one more so than other. Of course, Scott Prince did, of course, break the hearts of the Cowboys in 2005, but uh, that's uh, that's something that I refuse to bring up too often. Let's jump into the Wildcard Awards. Um, my Wildcard Award this week is the Steve Austin Award for Best Product of Composite Parts, which goes to the New Zealand Warriors much like Lee Major's character in the famous The Six Million Dollar Man TV show. Tragedy befell the Warriors this season, and the world really, when coronavirus hit. Having to be relocated to continue their season, the Warriors were decimated. But they could be rebuilt. Taking players on loan from just about everywhere they could, they put together a team with plenty of heart who challenged sides more fancied for a significant chunk of the year, including knocking over the Seagulls on Sunday. So the Steve Austin Award for Best Product of Composite Parts goes to the New Zealand Warriors. Miles, what is your wildcard award this week? Well, I thought uh, you we, we tend to really show our age with some of the references we make, and, and Bo, you've uh, <laughs> saluted there. Uh, I'm sure some of our older viewers will uh, enjoy that one. Uh, I do know some of those names, though. Steve Austin, um, that's probably about it. Anyway, uh, to make so a... Steve Austin is the character in the show. <laughs> He's the one go. that's rebuilt. There we go. Um, anyway, um, perhaps showing my age with my own... Uh, unsung, oh, sorry, unsung here. My own uh, wildcard award is the... I've given the Suicide Squad Award for Biggest Letdown Ever. And I'm giving it to Bulldogs prop Luke Thompson, who was brought over um, as a fairly highly thought of uh, English forward. Uh, typically, they fare a little bit better in our game than the English backs do. Uh, he was brought over halfway through the season, and he, he wasn't given a whole lot to do, obviously, given the, the team that he uh, came to, but he still managed to sort of disappoint and uh, <laughs> contribute just about the, the sum total of nothing to the Bulldogs. And, and to boot, he is looking at missing out on the first few weeks of next season thanks to a classic... English style, I might add, eye gouge in a game in which his team was routed by about 50 points. I can't think of perhaps a worse half-season contribution from a a half-season buy than than Luke Thompson. He's been truly shit. (laughs) We... we, um... And the Suicide Squad was disappointing, wasn't it? I I, I didn't have high hopes, but it it was disappointing. Um, I I play a bit of trivia a fair bit and i play obviously in a group a team of people as you do at pubs and things and i'm of the opinion that some people are worth negative points because not not only do they not contribute any correct answers or very rarely but they also talk you out of the correct answers sometimes with convincing just nonsense um and it sounds like luke thompson's made a negative contribution to the bulldogs somehow yeah, well, um, I know this is a, a statistics that it's probably a bit more rele- uh, prevalent in American sports than Aussie sports, but there's a, a wins above replacement statistic, which is uh, either usually in the positive, but some players it's in the negative. Uh, and to quickly explain it, but basically um, how useful a player is compared to any other player in their position. And I think right now, Luke Thompson probably looking at being a, a negative asset as opposed to any other given prop in the league. Shout out to friend of the show, Luke Thompson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, look, Luke, if you see me in in public, please, uh, I unreservedly apologize. (laughs) 
he uh, he hasn't gone that well at the footy this year, but he does look pretty tough. So with those, like he might just eye gouge you somewhere near exactly. uh, the northern beaches of Sydney. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a controversial take, Miles. Let's have another. Well, not maybe not a controversial take. This one's more above the horizontal thinking, I think. Uh, this week we've come up with a bunch of players who are most pivotal to the success of their club this final series. Uh, to do that, uh, and to make sure we get a, a variety of players, because I think we both just plumped straight away for Nathan Cleary. Uh, to do that, we've broken it up into outside backs, spine, forwards, and rookies. So, Miles, who do you think is going to be the most, uh, the most important outside back in this final series? Well, I talked about him a, a little bit earlier, and that's Alex Johnston. I think when he's on, the Rabbitohs are on for the most part, and they very rarely lose when he has a big game, as as, as was evident on on Friday. And look, especially with Latrell Mitchell out of the lineup, I think the Rabbitohs will really need something special from Johnston each week to, to make any sort of imprint on the finals. Uh, so uh, that's who I've gone with uh, the outside backs category. I've gone the other way. I've gone with someone that has been very, very, very disappointing this year, but is capable of so much more. And that's Blake Ferguson. Ah. I, feel, I feel like if the Storm are worth their chop, because they're playing against the Eels this week, they have their extremely potent left side of Munster, Pappenhausen when he slots in there, Justin Olam and Josh Adokar running at Wunga Blake, and Blake Ferguson, who have been terrible together defensively. Uh, one of the main reasons the Eels have been struggling to win games or, or 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 straight up losing games sometimes is because of some really poor defensive reads down their right-hand side. So, if Blake Ferguson and, to an extent, Wonga Blake as well, can sort out what's going on there because they will be targeted by a good team like the Storm... Blake Ferguson could be one of the most important players this final series. If he can get his shit together, the Eels have a very realistic chance of beating the Storm this week, I think. So Blake Ferguson is the most important outside back for me. Let's go forward to the spine. I've decided to keep my uh, my decision that it would be Nathan Cleary. Have you done the same? I've not, and I'll, I'll kind of take this off you, considering I haven't. I've gone with his partner, actually, Jerome Luai. So, look, for me, the Panthers seem to have reached this level of invincibility off the back of Luai's hot form. There's, there seems to be a... Um, I can't pinpoint it exactly in terms of a game, but there seems to be like a a, a BC, AD, or, or before Luai, post-Luai kind of <laughs> Panthers, in which they were good beforehand, but great with how well he's been playing lately. So... I think if you if you'd imagine he if his play was to dip, that would would certainly place a, an extreme amount of pressure on the rest of his uh, equally youthful spine. And although I'm so, I'm sure they can handle it, it Luai does seem to kind of give them that extra dimension that makes them really look like uh, a premiership winner as opposed to your your run of the mill top four team. See, I've, I've I've gone I've gone with Nathan Cleary, and I think the reason is that, um, say for example, and touch wood that this doesn't happen, you may have just heard me knocking. Um, <laughs> that's you know, uh, a day before the Roosters game, one of their halves goes down with an injury. It's Jerome Luai, or it's Nathan Cleary. 
I don't want this to happen to either player, obviously, but if I'm a Panthers fan and it has to be one of them, I want it to be Jerome Luai because Jerome Luai, yes, he has been very impressive, very, very, very impressive. And but you've got Matt Burton in the reserves. You've got a left foot kicker, same as Luai, just comes slot straight into that position. Yes, he's less dynamic running the ball, uh, but he brings other things like a more astute kicking game. Uh, he, he's he'll, an added level of toughness. That yes, the game cha- the plan would change a bit but not dramatically. If Nathan Cleary is out, Matt Burton comes into halfback. Suddenly you've got two left foot kickers. You lose that dynamic immediately and you lose one of the best game managers in the game. So for me, I think Nathan Cleary, if he's on, the Panthers are on, uh, much like Luai, I suppose. But uh, if he's not, I I can't see a a spine of Luai, Curacao and Edwards being able to cover for him. So Cleary is my choice. Let's move forward to the forwards, as it were. Um, and I'm going to choose Cameron Murray from the Rabbitohs, which might be a, a surprise to some people, but I've, I've observed that the Rabbitohs are playing their best football when they're on the front foot and they're getting those fast play the balls and they're dominating that ruck and they're giving guys like Cody Walker and to a, to a extent guys like Alex Johnston room to move that doesn't happen without a guy like Cameron Murray patrolling that middle uh getting quick play the balls for guys like Damian Cook and Cody Walker so I I actually think if the Rabbitohs are to topple the Knights which they probably should and then to topple the next team they play against I think Cameron Murray is going to be a huge key for the Rabbitohs who's the forward that you think is going to be the most influential or important uh, I really like that answer, Bo, and it, um, I think it puts mine to shame a bit. I've I've gone sort of down the same route I went with the the spine player, and I've gone for James Fisher-Harris. And I think, mm. like Luai, he's kind of been one of those players who was good in the first half of the season, has been excellent in the second half. And I think his sort of representative level player has been one of the extra dimensions that the Panthers have uh, kind of rode to this 15-game win streak. So I think, like Luai, if... If he's as, as good as uh, maybe a, a starting New Zealand representative player, I think that the Panthers will have that extra dimension to beat either a fully fit Roosters or a a, uh, a firing Cameron Smith and, and Melbourne Storm. I have to add to that too, James Fisher Harris, uh, one of the real unsung heroes of the Panthers campaign this year. He's been he's been really really tremendous week in week out, and for eighty minutes a lot of the time too. So a really good call. Let's go to the rookie. Um, now, I've I've probably cheated just a little bit because technically this person would not be eligible for the Rookie of the Year award, but I consider them a rookie because I believe it's their first final series. I could be wrong, but I'm going to go with Corey Allen, the fullback for the Rabbitohs, uh, much because for the same reason that, that you said that Alex Johnson needs to lift in the absence of a guy like Latrell Mitchell and his influence, this guy's literally replacing Latrell Mitchell in that team at fullback. And, uh, you know, if, if the Rabbitohs go deep enough into the campaign, they might get Latrell Mitchell back. But to get there, I think Corey Allen has to has to maintain that form. Uh, he has to he has to have that energy. He has to make the, the at least 150 meters gain from the back. He needs to chime in with those those excellent uh, three on two passes to find a guy like Alex Johnston. So I think Corey Allen is up for a very influential 
final series. Who is your rookie to keep an eye on? Well, interestingly enough, I was wondering if this guy would also technically qualify for rookie of the year. Uh, maybe you can do some quick research for me on and how many games the two have played, but I've gone for Kyle Flanagan. Uh, and mm. look, I, I, I think that most on the ball Roosters fans, or at least the ones that I know, have, have noted that the team seems to have an extra edge when Flanagan is on. And uh, obviously, you know, why wouldn't that be the case when he, he's their halfback? So I think um, when he was at the Sharks, he really did look like a, a bit of a, a long-term future state of origin prospect. And it, it, it's hard to say that he's taken a step back this year, but perhaps with that full year, he's it's just stretched him a little bit and he perhaps hasn't looked quite as sharp as he did. But I think he, if he does look that good, and especially off the tee because he's the, he's the team's kicker, Mm. I think that the Chooks may indeed be unbeatable and, and roll onto this premiership. See, I, I like that that you've chosen a goal kicker as well. I very nearly chose Jared Croker for the outside backs for the pure reason that, yes, he's a solid footballer, but two points could be all the difference when it comes to the Absolutely. Raiders missing out or, or whatever. Uh, so um, I do think Kyle Flanagan will be heavily well, influential. And Croker would, would know that given... Uh, I'd say about maybe 10 years ago now, he, he missed an absolute sitter from in front that gave the Tigers the win, if you remember that. Uh, I'm sure I do. I do remember that. And I'm sure plenty of Tigers remember that very nicely uh, because <laughs> they haven't had much success since. Uh, shout out to Chris Waring, a friend of the show. <laughs> Uh, thank you for that, Miles. We I think we came up with eight different names there for four different positions. So so well done. Uh, let's jump into our tips for the finals week week one, which is the elimination and qualifying finals. I'll start us off with the Panthers versus the Roosters, and uh, I'm going to largely ignore the form that coming into these teams for last <laughs> week because the Panthers rested a few players and flogged the. <sighs> largely inept but trying hard Bulldogs 42 to nil the Roosters uh, rested a fair few players as well but they got absolutely towed up by the the Rabbitohs who simply wanted it more 60 points to eight uh, in terms of player movement it's just it's just a bunch of people that were rested coming in for the Panthers for the Roosters Jake Friend is out after a head knock uh, which means that Freddie Lassick is going to start at hooker and they're carrying Lachlan Lamb on the bench with Lindsay Collins, Angus Crichton and Sonny Bill Williams making Lachlan Lamb the smallest person on that bench by about 50 kilos. So it'll be, it'll be, uh, it'd be very interesting to see. Freddie Lassick looks a very lively player. Uh, I think that this game is yeah, very tantalizing because the Panthers are, um, historically a team that you probably wouldn't associate with structure um, and, and guys like Jerome Luai feed into that but a guy like Nathan Cleary like he plays structure really really well so he's he's given them that extra dimension the Roosters they have their own version of Cleary in Luke Keary who plays that structure really well Kyle Flanagan's also a structured footballer a lot of the Roosters are where where the Roosters have an edge I think is is in offloads, um, but where the Panthers have an edge is in some hole running on those edges. Guys like for the Army Kickow and, and Liam Martin have been absolutely tearing up. It is so, so hard to pick here. So while I think the Roosters will not be anywhere near as bad as they were last week, 
I'm going to tip the Panthers to get the job done by the Roosters. I still think, I still think the Roosters will be a threat this year, but I think the Panthers should get this one done. What say you? I agree with you. And I think home ground advantage will play into this. Um, Penrith is a, a very hard place to win. So I, I, I tend to agree. Uh, of course, I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Roosters won, but I think the Panthers are going to pull this one out. We're going to have a, a few very, very tough ones to pick in the next few weeks. Uh, but I'll leave it to you to work out what's happening with the Raiders and the Sharks. And maybe maybe don't read out the, uh, the ins and outs for, because the Raiders will be here all week. <laughs> well, I thought you were about to say we're, we're going to have a bunch of hard ones to pick, but this won't be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, alas, uh, I don't think this one will be too... Um, well, I do think this one will be pretty open and shut, actually. Um, uh, as you said, I'm not going to bother reading out the Raiders and Zanouts because it's basically an entire team. Uh, the Sharks, however, though, for what it's worth, they will be getting back both Blake Braley and Chad Townsend, Um so that's uh, certainly good for them. Um, but look, yeah, look, uh, last week it was obviously the, the Raiders smashing the Sharks with their, their second string. So I don't think there's any reason to to think that will, will change again this week, especially given that the Sharks still have not beaten a final side and, and they're going to have to tra- travel to Canberra to to attempt to do that. And I, I don't think they have it in them. I, as I think a few people have pointed out, there are, probably um teams out there with higher ceilings like um the titans or the warriors or maybe even the tigers that would probably do a better job at this game but through sheer consistency the sharks are in that eighth spot so um yeah look for, for me it's a, an open and shut raiders case here the sharks for what it's worth also did uh rest a few players last week like uh like sienna katoa josh dugan blake braley as you mentioned toby rudolph CSU far Talakai, but the Raiders, as you said, they they pretty much rested half the nation's capital. So uh, <laughs> I would I'd be going with the Raiders as well. Let's jump forward to Saturday night. Um, oh, Saturday night at Suncorp Stadium. I might go and watch this if I can get a ticket. It's the Storm and the Eels. Now again, I'm not going to read the ins and outs because holy crap, uh, it's it's. There's really not much to say about the Storm. There's a, there's a lot of guys returning, a lot of guys that are out from last week from their loss to the Dragons. Uh, the Eels, they have some big news. they got Dylan Brown returning slightly early from ankle surgery at 5'8", which means that Will Smith returns to the bench after playing, I think, pretty well against the Tigers and scoring that pivotal try at the end. Uh, we've got Michael Jennings coming back in, Regan Campbell-Gillard's back in, so, uh, so a lot of good players coming back available. I'm gonna, I'm gonna basically let off my bowl prediction a little bit early here, Miles. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I've, I've, you know, again, I've, my tipping has been absolutely rubbish this year. So grain of, don't take a grain of salt, take a pound. Um, I, <laughs> I am going to be going for the eels. I think the storm will pepper the eels' right hand side. And I think the right-hand side is going to stay up to it this time. Uh, I, I think they're going to hang in there, and there's a there's just uh, there's a lot of football in that in that in that forward pack that I really like. Well, the storm, go on, Bo. Say it. This uh, I don't know what I'm going to say. 
<laughs> what am I saying? I, I think the Eels will win, and I think, gonna, oh, wow. I think I think the Eels will win, and I think it's because of the amount of football that's going on in, in the middle section. So Nathan Brown's got a good offload. Junior Paulo playing through, in, and before the line. It will mess up the Storm's defensive structures a little bit, throwing that many questions at them. And I, I think they've got a real chance if they play to their potential, of course, uh, which we haven't seen for a little while. So it is a bold prediction, and that is my bold prediction for later on. Uh, the Eels to win. Miles, on a scale of zero to, you know, the dude out of one floor of the cuckoo's nest, how crazy am I? Um, you are the dude from... The one coot flew over the cuckoo's nest, I'd say. Um, <laughs> look, I, I, I think that on paper, you're right, but I haven't seen that ill side for the past 10 weeks. So I just can't bring myself to tip them over the storm when it's not in Parramatta and when the Eels have actually never beaten the storm in a finals game. So look, it's, oh, is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they've played about five times and, and never come up trumps. So. For me, it's it's got to be the storm. Wait, didn't they win that two thousand and nine? Gr- oh no, never mind, never mind. Uh, they <laughs> lost that grand. <laughs> Sorry to any Eels fans out there. Uh, you have the final men's game, which is the Rabbitohs and the Knights. Please, Miles. Yeah, look, uh, no, actually, no real outs and ins to speak of here, or, or, or no real uh, outs and ins of consequence, but. Um, Look, I think it's hard to know whether or not to believe in what the Rabbitohs offer, given their their inconsistency throughout the year. Um, and all things considered, I, I am happy to, to back last week's form. Uh, however, uh, especially with, with Wayne Bennett in the driver's seat, with his finals experience, and, and of course the Knights' litany of, of already sidelined players. So, look, I am going to side with the Rabbitohs here with, without a, a whole heap of confidence, but... I think if there's one nugget to take out of this, if you're a um, a tipster and you, you're not quite sure which way to go, I think that, to me, the, the prevailing taste in my mouth is that Newcastle really needed to host this one to 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 really be a, a red-hot chance, and, and they're not, of course. It's in Sydney, so... Uh, and it's at ANZ Stadium, I'm, I'm reliably informed, so maybe I'll try and go along to this one as well. Um, oh, very good. But, uh, yeah, it's... Um, for me, if this one was in Newcastle, it would be a, a much hotter prospect. But I think yeah, <laughs> the scene of last week's crime. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna back the Rabbitohs. Yeah, it really was a, a, a tale of two games, wasn't it? The Knights were in front of the Rabbitohs by one point, and they were pretty much guaranteed to play against them in some form or another, depending on the venue. They dropped the ball badly against the Titans which meant the Rabbitohs still had to beat the Roosters, and boy, did they. So, uh, yeah, Rabbitohs for me as well. Uh, let's go into the NRLW Round 1 teams. We've got Saturday morning, actually, uh, the Roosters and the Dragons. Uh, the big one for the Roosters, I think, is that Charlotte Caslick, uh, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, absolutely, is making her debut from Rugby 7. She'll be playing 5-8 for the Roosters. Um very, very highly regarded footballer, Charlotte Caslick. Um, I remember watching her. They won a gold medal at the Commonwealth Games, did they not? The Rugby Sevens? Yeah, and she was one of the other. star players. There's actually a few other gold medalists in that team, I see. Uh, in the in the Roosters team? Indeed. And in the uh, Dragons team. So who else have we got? 
Uh, I believe Shanice Parker was in that team, as was, uh, no, it might have been a little bit before Yasmin Meeks' time, but um, also, of course, Tiana Penatani, perhaps a, a little bit more famous to the average rugby fan. She's uh, absolutely a gold medalist, but she's been on, on the league side for a while now. Hmm. Well, the Dragons have, have made some uh, good recruitment uh purchases i suppose you'd say they, they've obviously they've kept maddie studden which is a huge one she's it's it's basically her and ali brickenshaw for best halfback in the game sam bremner comes back in after a year off that's huge for them and isabel kelly has joined the club from the roosters to play in the centers and and she's widely regarded as one of the best players in the sport so uh i've Got to think the Dragons are a really good chance here. Kezi Apps there at the back row as well. So uh, good luck to the Roosters, but I've got a feeling the Dragons might get the nod there. Is that is that your thoughts as well? Well, um, I'm going to back the Roosters on the strength of, of their team. Um, full disclosure, I'm no expert on the women's game, but uh, rolling out uh, a team that good, I'm going to back the Roosters and, and probably be wrong. All right, let's see how that goes. And the other game is on Saturday afternoon at GIO Stadium. Uh, both games are at GIO Stadium. This is the Broncos and the Warriors. The aforementioned Ali Brigginshaw is the captain and halfback of the Broncos. She's also the captain of the Jillaroo. She's one of one of the absolute greats of the game. Uh, the Broncos have got a pretty similar um, team to last year. They've got Lauren Brown debuting on the wing. I believe she is from Rebbe Sevens as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of other people uh, playing. There's some big ins for the Warriors uh, after they set up camp at Australia. So they've <laughs> they've pretty much got a whole new team, um, including fullback Karina Brown, famously uh, a Queensland captain in, in previous Origin series for for the women's game. Um, look, I think with the amount of flux in the Warriors, uh, I'm going to go for the Broncos here. And the Broncos are just a super experienced, well-drilled side. So uh, they've had plenty of success in this format. So uh, despite their men coming dead last, Miles, I reckon the good tip here is the Broncos. Fair enough. Uh, I'm Personally, I'm not backing against my, my girl, Ellie Green. So I'm, I'm going to go for the Warriors. All right, Ellie Green. Is she also a, a rugby convert, was she? Uh, yeah, I'm almost certain you'd know her if you um, if you if you looked her up. She's uh, one of the very best in in the sevens game. I will look her up absolutely, and let's jump into the bold predictions to to bring this thing home, Miles. I've already revealed mine. I think the eels will beat the storm because, as we mentioned. I belong in the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. <laughs> Miles, what is your bold prediction? Um, look, I, I funnily enough, as as crazy as I called you, I almost went the same, but then sort of snapped out of it. So I've gone with <laughs> um, Dylan Brown and his return of uh, one try and two try assists to spur the Eels to a one point loss to the Storm. So perhaps making you out to be a little bit crazier than perhaps you are. Um, and for the record, and I will add this on to my um, actual bold prediction, uh, Cameron Smith will be the one to kick the field goal that decides this game and uh, to prove he, he still has it and, and will probably never lose it. Mate, honestly, it just, that's, that felt like uh, like an improvisational artist at their best. Like you just, <laughs> you just gone Dylan Brown for a try. 
and two try assists to <laughs> spur them to a loss by one point. But Cameron Smith will kick the field goal. <laughs> it's like, wow. Like, if that happens... Oh, uh, and, and I'll go... I will add that, um, you know... Uh, I did. I did sound like I was improvising that. I had written it down, um, and they are all tangible assets to my bold prediction. So, wow! If, the, if it's a two-point game, uh, that's a, a big uh, X for me. So, uh, on the final finals level with my bold prediction. I think. I think we'll find that if the Storm beat the Eels by two points, but Dylan Brown has an absolute awesome game, I think we'll pay it <laughs> compared to mine. Fair enough. Uh, all right, Miles, it's been a pleasure, as always, to have your company on this Tuesday evening as we record. Uh, I hope you get to go out to that uh, to that Rabbitohs and Knights game, and hopefully I can get to the Storm game as well. Uh, as always, everybody, please enjoy watching your football, and I can't say go the Cowboys this week because they're just doing oh, nothing. Um, so I am going to say go the Broncos ladies. Oh, nice one. I'm going to... I'm going to go the the Tampa Bay Lightning here. Stanley Cup finally back in Florida after all these years. Oh, happy days indeed. Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Your regular panellists are Miles Steadman and Kieran Gibson. Our theme song is Tough Nut by Ryan Cross. I'm Bo Nicholson.